Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, uh, the show that takes you on a deep dive into the happenings of the hospitality industry. So now sometimes there's a focus on culture and sometimes there's a focus on passion projects and sometimes there's a focus on travel trends. But honestly, at the end of the day, it all comes back to the industry. And for those of you who are new here, thanks so much for joining us today, uh, joining me today, um, a little background on who I am and what I do. So I've been covering the food, wine, travel, and hospitality scene for the last 20 years um, via TV, radio, podcast, social, um, you name it, I do all of it. Uh, and if you live in the DC metro area, then you're familiar with the list, areyouonit.com, the online e-zine that tells you about everything happening in the DC metro area. Of course, you tune in every Sunday to Foodie and the Beast, the show I do with my husband, the only food and wine variety show here in DC. We've been on for 14 years. I'm regularly on a lot of the local news channels talking about the hospitality industry. And of course, you also hear me on WTOP and there's one more thing. You follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for the latest and greatest of all my eats and treats and travels. Um, and now we're here at Industry Night. So uh, welcome to the gorgeous wine lair. Um, I'm so excited to be here. I am surrounded by wine bottles every week. Um, sort of in my element, isn't that nice? Uh, and uh, speaking of elements, let's talk about all that I've been doing the last couple of weeks, because I've been doing lots. Now, you know, because I do this at this private wine club, there are people here who are members of this private wine club, so they're drinking and chatting out there and eating, because there's fabulous food here. And the Ritz-Carlton is right behind me, so you're going to hear noise happens but that's the beauty of doing something live and someplace fabulous okay let's talk about where i've been so last week when i left here i went to this restaurant called seymour's uh it's in arlington but frankly it's an area i don't go to a lot not that there's anything wrong with it I just don't go to arlington but seymour's is is actually a chain which i did not know there are several up in the new york area but it's really fresh seafood. And I have to be honest, if there was one close to my home, I could totally see it being one of my neighborhood places. Really fresh fish, a real uh, commitment to sustainability, which is very important to me. Uh, and they really treat the fish well, simply grilled, side sauces. I mean, exactly what you want when it comes to seafood without a lot of muss and fuss. Uh, they are just starting brunch, and I do understand they're going to start serving sushi, which uh, I'm always here for. Uh, I did go back to Caruso's at Pike and Rose because, I mean, you know, just because I checked it out once doesn't mean I'm not going to go again. Matt Adler is killing it with his red sauce Italian restaurant. It is like being in Little Italy, New York, chicken parm, eggplant parm, all the pasta, all the sauce. He does this one thing called mozzarella cardoza, which is stacks of mozzarella and white bread smushed together, battered and deep fried and covered with red sauce. Yeah, it's um, ooey and gooey and delicious. Definitely put it on your list. Um, the Duck and a Peach wound up there too. Hollis Silverman, my dear, dear friend, opened this gorgeous sort of like Kelly Boho style space up on Cap Hill. Get the roast chicken, get the roast duck. It's, it feels very sophisticated there, but everything is super homey. And again, she is totally committed, not just to sustainability, uh, but to her staff 
She's um, way ahead of the game when it comes to uh, paying a fair wage, not just front of the house, but also back of the house and making sure everybody has vacation and health care. I mean, she is uh, one to watch and she's coming up on an industry night pretty soon. Um, also, I went back to La Vanguardia because, again, just because it's a new restaurant doesn't mean you go once. La Vanguardia, uh, Michelin star chef, uh, came from Paris to D.C. to open up this space. Um, it deserves every accolade. The food is fabulous. The uh, service is very refined. It will get a Michelin star, mark my words. It may get other awards, mark my words. Um, it is expensive, fair warning, so don't go and be surprised. As I say, before you go to any restaurant that you hear me talk about, or any experience for that matter, do your homework first. Look and see what things cost, figure it out, see if there's a service charge, be an informed consumer so you don't go and like feel like you've been screwed. Um, Anyway, so also, I know it's going to be hard to believe because I've been eating out so much, but I'm still like entertaining and cooking at home. So we had family in town and I made this fabulous dish, which is on the New York Times uh, cooking website. And if you don't belong, it is the best recipe website out there. And it was a simple pasta with lentils. You literally cook lentils, throw in pasta, cook it all in one pot, cover it with cheese. It is an elegant dish and it is delicious. Okay, there you go, your pro tip for the day. So let's get on to today's show. Now, for me, there is something about this time of year. Um, I just like, just kind of like spacey. You know, we're all a little off, aren't you? I mean, I my girlfriends are off, my husband's definitely off. Like everybody's just kind of out of it. We keep our mojo going after the holiday insanity. And especially here on the East Coast, the weather is dreary and it's cold and, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really trying to build time into my day every day to focus on my goals for the new year. Cause I know that, you know, these errant, like, oh, I wish this, or I want that. Like being unfocused is not going to make things happen. And that's pers personally and professionally. And I gotta be honest, it's hard. It's hard to focus and it's hard to be honest with what my wants are which is why I'm so excited to have JJ DiGeronimo joining me today. So she was on Foodie and the Beast a couple of weeks ago, and that's like only a 10-minute segment. And I was like, yeah, girl, we need to talk more because I wanted a deep dive with her. So JJ is a two-time award-winning author, and she helps women raise their frequencies, which I cannot wait to talk about, and empower their future impact through strategies, Mindfulness, which I feel like is a word that's getting abused, but she's going to talk about it, um, and energetic practices. And I want to talk more about what that means. So yes, yes, yes to all of it. So this may not be a completely industry-centered show like my normal ones that are more food and wine-focused, but let's be honest. If you're not centered yourself in your business and personally and professionally, then you can't be successful. So consider this show a gift from me to you. Hi, JJ. Hello, hello. Thank you for including me on such an amazing lineup. Oh, well, I'm delighted to have you here. And, um, you know, we had that little chat on Foodie and the Beast. Uh, and I just think what you're doing is so interesting and very timely. There's a lot out there right now. You know, I feel like I'm getting bombarded about manifestation and focusing and your goals and, and doing all these sort of things to get where you want to be in life, personally and professionally. But you you started this years ago. You've been on a journey. So can we talk about how you how you began yours? Yes, yes. So 
luckily I love food and wine too. And I use it and indulge in it every week. I love it, but I've spent most of my career in the tech industry in Silicon Valley and on the road. So I've had the experiences of just eating at some of the most amazing restaurants and having just such delicious wine. But even with that uh, and having a family and doing all the things that people say, oh, this is going to make you happy. I still had these whispers inside that were really pushing me to seek more, dig deeper, sidestep that doubt and that ego that just talks to you constantly. Mm-hmm. And I would not say that even listening to you talk about what I do now, a decade ago, I would have thought that was so foo-foo and like, I don't have time for that. So the fact that this is what I'm doing now is kind of comical, but I feel like as a human design, I'm a three, five, I have to go through it myself before I can share it with others. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's really interesting. I agree with you. I think if you told me even five years ago that this sort of terminology and these sort of conversations would be of interest to me, I would have been like, not my speed, you know, like the idea of self-help, the idea of, you know, some of those bigger self-help kinds of things that were really popular, like in the nineties and maybe in the aughts never really appealed to me, not because I don't need help, but I don't think the way they were, the, the verbiage they were using or the way they were talking appealed to me personally, but there's something about the, what you're talking about and what I'm hearing in other corners that, that appeals to me. And maybe it's more feminine. Um, maybe it's more positive. It, it, maybe there's, there's just something in it that I find appealing. So let's talk about how you went from eating all those great meals and being in the tech industry to, to this next step. How did you, how did you make that step? Cause that's a big deal. Yeah. So you, I mean, maybe some of your listeners know this, but there's been days that have gone by that I was like, this is not working for me. Like, do I need to leave my marriage? Do I need to leave my job? Do I need to move to a new place? Do I need to just throw my hands up? And so I found myself at a therapist's office and I was talking to Jill And she's like, you know, I really think you need to go to mindfulness training. And I was like, listen, I'm trying to be serious right now. Like I'm ready to throw the towel in. I I don't even, that sounds ridiculous. (laughs) So I saw her uh, two more times and she basically said to me, like, if you don't go to this mindfulness class, don't come back. And I'm like, what? I've never heard of such a thing. It was Sundays, like three hours on Sundays for three, um, for like six weeks. It was a John Kabat-Zinn. And like when I got there, I had my notebook and my coffee and I was like ready to power through it like I did most of my life. Right. You were ready for a workout. You were like, yeah, like a mental workout. workout. Right. And the teacher, she's so kind. She was like, uh, what is what is all that for? I'm like, well, you know, if I get good ideas or whatever. And she's like, well, you can keep it today, but don't bring your notebook back next time. And I'm like, OK, this is definitely not for me. Right. Uh, but I did show up a couple more times and it took me a super A, 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 A personality mm-hmm. to just be able to sit and just, you know, she had us uh, chewing on blueberries, you know, just sit and chew on a blueberry and be in the moment of that moment, which I have to say, you know, I was in my mid forties at the time. I had never done that ever. I was always focusing on the past or kind of planning for the future. So much so I that I had like so it. Me, I'm like this. Like I, I mean, I know you're talking mindfulness. I know we're talking about meditating, which I started about five years ago. But mm-hmm. even today, when I meditate, this is what I feel like: ting, 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 ting. Like I feel like, like 
things I haven't thought about are, are desperately trying to distract me when I meditate. So yeah. I, is that what part of that mindfulness conference was about or class? Yeah, it was about letting those thoughts just go and not hang on to any one of them. I mean, I was planning grocery lists and project plans and all these things, and I wasn't really allowing myself to be in the moment. And learning to be in the moment has given me the ability to see the spiritual messages that come my way. Okay, what does that mean? Like so that. it's just amazing. Like, yes, a lot of people are mindful and meditate, and that is great too. But I find the true benefit of being in the present moment is I'm aware of messages that come my way, whether it's I see a lot of feathers all the time, mm -hmm. numbers, and I have like a lot of angels talking to me through people. So people will tell me messages. And sometimes I just have random thoughts that I'm like, well, what am I going to do with that? Right. And then it comes back a second and a third time. Like right now I'm planning a retreat for early February and I kept getting the message, plan this retreat. It gave me the day and the person. And I'm like, no, there's no way I'm doing that. Mm -mm, not doing it. I was afraid to ask the woman to do this retreat with me. And sure enough, when I finally got off the guts a couple of days later, because I keep hearing the message over and over, Right. Uh, she was like, yeah, I'd love to. Absolutely. I'm like, okay, great. So I feel like I'm more and more of an open channel to the things I'm supposed to be doing here on the planet. Well, actually, what it sounds like is, is that you're not letting your self-doubt get the better of you, right? That's you. That's you. You know, like I could talk myself out of it, you know, or talk myself down or say, well, I'm asking for too much money or... Um, you know, I'm asking for somebody's time, I'm asking for too much time, or I'm not, I, I can talk myself out of it before I ever ask that question. You bring up a good point. And honestly, I think self-doubt is one of the, is the biggest thing holding women back and men too, but I work a lot with women. So I see it all the time, including myself and talking to you who have you know, having all these accomplishments, I'm sure people are like, how in the heck do you doubt yourself? Look at all these amazing things you do. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate that. But I, as I'm sure you know, I, it's, you know, it's, it's not that it's a struggle. I listen, my passion is my profession. I'm the luckiest person in showbiz. I love what I do. And I get so many um, Easter eggs thrown in my lap. Like I, it's, it's a gift and I am completely aware of it. But it did take me a lot of time to value what I brought to the table. I was always grateful, but I always, but I was, I was, I didn't know my value in that gratefulness. Does that make sense? Like, oh. I, like, you know, oh, they're giving me this break. Like, instead of like, no, I mean, I have the, I have the knowledge. So it's, it's, it's a bit of both, but it's not, it's not easy. It is definitely not easy. In fact, I have a chapter in my third book, Seeking, called My Confidence Walked Out the Back Door. And it, I was getting ready to speak at this event, and there was an opening speaker. And she did such an amazing job that every minute she continued, my self-doubt was creeping in, like, over my back, over my head. And lower and lower and lower. Yes. And, like, I basically restructured my entire talk on the fly, which you can imagine how well that was received. <laughs> but the idea was it was a lesson for me to remember that I, you know, I have my own gifts to bring to the table. And even if the person before me is a million times better than me or has a gazillion years of experience beyond me, I was chosen for that moment on purpose. And mm -hmm. that I have to be able to step into what I brought to the table 
even if I'm doubting myself. Which makes sense. And so let's, you brought up your book. Let's kind of start there because I think your book, uh, which I read, and it's really a workbook. I mean, it's a working book, right? Like you have to put in the work to get to where you need to be by the end of the book. So let's talk about seeking 74 key findings. How did you, was this just part of your journey and you were like taking notes along the way? Like, how did you come up with the concept? Hmm. Well, for me, it's just constantly just capturing, you know, I took, um, you know, I love Gabby Bernstein. And so I took one of her writing classes. I like her too. She's, I don't know if she's for, she's a lot. Do you know what I mean? And she should be, because that's her. I don't know if she's somebody who speaks to me, but I, I find her very interesting. Well, the reason I bring up is I took one of her writing classes only because I already had two books, but most of my other books are how to get promoted, how to get on a board, how to align to a sponsor, all things that women need in their careers to really get to that next step. Because most women in their careers work in the job, they work in their career, but not on their career. So making the shift to talking about more vulnerable sides of my life I was like, I don't know how to do this. I'm so cut and dry. I don't, you know, So I, she taught me a lot about how to tell a story that a vulnerable story. Mm-hmm. And so that was super helpful to me. And so I started writing down my stories and that was the basis of getting things going because I feel like it's hard to be vulnerable, especially in such a male dominated field like tech. I had to practice being vulnerable. Well, I bet because everybody's there trying to puff their chests all the time, you know, Yeah. but who has the biggest dick, right? Like, I mean, you know, that's, I mean, we also, listen, I work with chefs. Most of them are men. And even the women uh, who I love, you know, everybody walks around like they've got something in between their legs because that's the genre. I mean, that's, that's how it is. So finding ourselves like, finding that feminine voice. I mean, I will tell you, I I can't tell you how many times somebody has given me a menu to give my feedback on, especially a lunch menu. Lunch menus are my favorite to give feedback on. And I'm like, this is not a feminine menu. This is completely male. You are, he's like, well, there's a salad on there. I'm like, I don't want a salad. I want, I want lunch, but I don't want a steak and French fries. Like not on a diet, I eat, but you're not feeding me. You're just giving me a salad. So I I do, you know, I think there's all of that out there. Do you know what I mean? That's a beautiful example. That's a beautiful example. And I sort of say that for the corporate world, you know, it's an incredible, it's incredibly masculine. Every aspect of of corporate America is masculine. You can use my swinging dick thing. You can use that. I love that. And I probably will. Uh, I probably will use that. But it's all masculine. And so women, when they check in, they have to leave half their knowing at the door. And so we're expected to show up as equals, but we're not allowed to use any of our intuition, knowing, and alignment. And then we go into corporate America and we're expected to deliver at 120%. And we wonder why women are walking around so depleted. Right. No, it's a really good point. So let's, you know, I took a bunch of notes as I was reading your book because I had a lot of questions. Um, So in part one, you talk about slipping into whispers. And one of the chapters is on adjusting your frequency. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, they hear frequency and they're like, what the what? Like, what does that, what does that mean? 
It's so great because I was going to put frequency on the cover, but I was afraid I would scare people. But the way I view frequency is essentially the energy that you hold on a regular basis. And, you know, FM radio is frequency modulation. So are you like a 90.4? Are you a 99.7? Are you a 102.7? Like what energy level are you working at on a regular basis? And how often can you keep yourself at that? And what pulls you down four or five stations? So Mm. frequency is the energy that you elevate at on a regular basis. Well, so I guess one of the questions I have said, if if you find that frequency that you like, like where you are, like this frequency really works for me, but maintaining it is work. What are your recommendations? What is the work that has to be done to maintain, you know, a high, like I'll give, let's say I'm 103.5. Okay. Like, that's where I am. I like this frequency. I like talking to people at this frequency. Now I can tell when I'm talking to some people that my frequency is too much for them, but I don't dial it back because that's not on me. That's on them. Having said that, like how do, but sometimes I can feel it dropping. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether it's external things or my brain is working. What are, what's the work that needs to be done to help maintain the positive flow? That's a great question. So the way I view it is kind of how do I spend my time? Who do I talk to? What do I read? What do I watch? What do I think about? And what do I say to myself, which is the most important one, because even if you're the kindest to everybody, but you're a jerk to yourself, you will not be able to raise your frequency. That's a very good point. So I love that. And you talk about also in that chapter or in part one, the illusion of success and the I should have. I love. So can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think we all do that. I think we're like, oh, what a shoulda, coulda. I should have done this. I should have done that. I mean. Yeah, I think a lot of folks, including me, uh, when I went into corporate America, you know, hey, when I get there, then I will be happy. Then I will get this. Then I will celebrate. But the reality is, is that the carrot is constantly moving and there is no there. And I think that oasis of all the things that you think you're striving for on a regular basis just keeps you chasing all the time. And you're constantly doing things you should do because you're trying to get there all the time. What my research and self-work has found is that there is no there. There is here. Here is there. There is here. I am here. And this is my life, like exactly what's happening in this particular moment. Mm. I think that makes a lot of sense. But I'm sure people come back to you and they're like, yes, but I want that. Mm. Yes. wanting it and even going for it, but you have to know, I guess, pinging your happiness on it is not the thing. Is that really it? Well, you know, you are here, there for a reason, right? You're in this moment for a reason. There's a lesson you need to learn. There's an experience you have to have. And if you're always wishing to be over there, it could take you a long time to get out of here. That's a very good point. I love that. Right. Be where you are. Focus on that. And ask, why am I here? What do I need to learn? What is the lesson? It usually is relationship-based, experience-based, and, you know, having visions for where you want to go, like aligning your thoughts with kind of where you want to have your next level of impact is incredibly healthy, but you have to figure out what is here right now that you have to dive into so you can get there. I I love that. And I know that I think for a lot of people, that's going to be very helpful because it's, 
I think it's a little more fun to focus on the one and the future and to be like, no, I want that and daydream about wanting it instead of focusing on what you have to do to make it happen, which is the here and now, right? Yes. And I think being here, there can be a lot of satisfaction and happiness in where you are right now. But sometimes we're so busy planning and striving and stretching and just getting, working to get there. We miss out. I can't tell you how many women I talk to that say, you know, I don't have time to celebrate. I'm already behind. It didn't come in on time. Yes, it's great that I did this, that, and this, but I can't, I don't have the time to celebrate. Mm. And it just now, and I've said it before too, but now it's kind of like, if not now, then when? Right. That's an excellent point. Yes. Well, in we're going to skip a little bit. I want to go to part two because I thought part two was really interesting. It's something that I've dealt a lot with. So I really focused on it's You have it as redefining self-worth, but what you talk a lot about is money and fear. And there's a, I, and when I read that, I had heard a couple other people talk about fear and money and that really changed everything for me. Yes. I think we all, not we all, but myself, I never really put together that the way I am about money has so much to do with my fear of it and fear with it. And I can think of like my, I, I, can, go, I can go through all of it. Like it opened up so much for me because, you know, my sister and brother don't have fear of money. My sister definitely doesn't have fear of money. And, but I do. And I don't know what we, we walked away differently from our childhoods, but I watched how it changed my, I see what happened in my past. And I, I mean, I'm totally looking forward, but that recognition has changed everything for me. So how do you work with people on that? Well, you know, I've had to learn it myself. I'm with you. I had a ton of fear too. And I still do. I, I, I'm not completely. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not over it. I just know it. Ex I know I can feel it when it's happening. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. I, I have the money in my bank account. It's great. You know, if let's say I lose a client, I, I, you know, that used to cause like such anxiety. And now I'm like, you know, I, another client will come. Like I'm able to let go of that and not allow that to take me down. But I think there was a time where like I would look at the money in my bank account and be like, it's going to go away. Like I would live in fear of it going away. And you know, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's completely right. Like what you focus on, oftentimes you manifest. So that's very true. Uh, yeah, fear, like money, I, it's taken me a long time to learn about money and realize that money is just an imaginary sort of thing that we assign a value to a piece of paper and that there is enough money for everybody and there's an abundance of money. But if you are constantly worried and afraid and scared, you will create and manifest that energy around money. And I think that having gratitude around the gifts that come your way, whether it's a penny, someone brings you a gift, you get a discount, a coupon, you know, whatever it may be, you know, it's amazing how much more of it will come your way. Mm -hmm. So finding value in what's there. Yes. Which is yes, nice. definitely. And I'm still working. I mean, I was at the airport this morning and I saw a penny and normally I would like leave it. But honestly, every time I even see it, I say, thank you so much for the abundance in my life. Oh, I love that. I try to, I try to, if I see a penny or 
you know, like a, a, a coin on the ground. I, I do touch it, which I know you're not supposed to do because it's money and it's, you know, who knows who touched it, but I touch it. And then I say, it's somebody else's luck. Like Aww. I give it to somebody else. That's so, amazing. That's my thing, but I like yours too. I think we can do both. <laughs> I think we can. I think we can. I think it's about shifting the value and even the energy that you put on money. And like first you have to assess it where you are. If you're lucky enough to not really think much about it, it doesn't sway your decisions and it kind of comes as you need it. Mm. Boy, you are, I feel like you're lucky. But if you're like me, who's always like, oh my goodness, everything comes down to the pennies, you know, and it's so ridiculous. Uh, but I, again, it's like another big lesson I have to learn is that there is abundance in my life and it doesn't revolve around necessarily money. But you, so in that chapter, you have, I mean, in that section, you have a chapter on shifting into abundance. Mm -hmm. So what's, give us a little, some of the steps for that, because I think that I'm sure for some people listening to this, they're like, this is a little woo wooey for me, but I find it, there's so much value in it. It's, it's life-changing. Yeah. You know, when you think about like the technology we used to create and all of this advanced stuff for data centers, that's where I spent most of my life. And now I'm really working from the inside out. And I've learned that you have to be, one, you have to be present first and foremost. You have to be in the moment you're in to really understand why you're here and sort of what the moment is meant for, for you. And like you said, if you lose a client, me now, I would say, well, that's opening it up for your next level of work. That work is no more, no longer aligned to your frequency. And the same is with money. It's like you have to appreciate the abundance that you have and really going through all the things that happen in your day. Like it just, whether someone gives you a discount or you get, you know, you get someone buys you lunch, like all of that is, is folded into the things that you receive in your life. Money is just a piece of it. And the more gratitude and essentially love you have for that, the more that will come your way. Mm -hmm. I think we all have friends. We have friends that live like this. Most of us know somebody that doesn't worry about money is super happy, super grateful, and more things happen for them. Right. No, I totally agree with you. And it's, listen, I think if you're not naturally that person, making those changes are, is totally possible. I, I know the changes in myself, but I mean, some of it is hardwired. So you have to, you know, you really have to work hard at it to not you know, talk yourself out of it. You know what I mean? You absolutely do. And you have to be ready for it too. Usually this happens, this whole seeking happens when what you've been doing is no longer working for you and you don't really know how to get better aligned with what you want. You have to dig in. You have to dig in because I've tried to do everything externally as I talk about in many different ways, but it isn't until I really get to know who I am, what makes me tick, why I pick the relationships I pick and like what fires me up? Am I really going to be able to step into why I'm here? Well, so your next section, life lessons, really mm -hmm. talks about relationships, relationships with our families and sort of how we got to where we are and for good, better or for worse, like parsing those out to have a better understanding. I mean, listen, if you've been through a lot of trauma, that's a whole other thing. That's not really what we're talking about here, but taking sort of the life lessons learned from your experiences. It's so true. It's so true. You know, you may or may not want to believe this and maybe it's, you know, this is sort of what I've learned through my teachers and lightworkers is that 
we pick our parents first and foremost. And oftentimes we repeat the lessons of our parents in the relationships that we elect to be in until we work through that. I think that's, I mean, having recognition of dynamics of people's relationships is so important. And like trying to understand my parents' relationship, um, you know, they've been together forever. They have their, they're like, they love each other. They have a great relationship, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, they have a dynamic. And sometimes I'm just like, I mean, do you guys have any idea what's happening here? Like I watch it sometimes. I'm like, do you not see, like you did that. Now he did this. And I'm like, are you, they're completely oblivious. And I'm trying so hard in my own relationship with my husband. And we've been together 27 years to, I can, if I hear it, I really try to retract it. You know, when I hear Gwen coming out of me, my mom, I really try to like back it up. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, cause it's hard when you're, you know, it's in my DNA. <laughs> Oh, it is hard. It is hard. And I'm, you know, I struggle too. Like I, I channel things that my parents, in fact, when I went to my first tapping session, you know, I thought I was there to sort of work on me and my marriage. But when I did the tapping, you know, uh, if you've ever done tapping, it's really about getting to the cellular level of your thoughts is we actually spent a lot of time talking about my parents and their relationship and my relationship with them and how you carry those patterns into your relationships. Mm, it's really amazing uh, going on that sort of discovery. I don't understand tapping, so I'm not going to drag you down that rabbit hole because I I don't get it. <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet to understand it, but I, I'm fascinated by it. But I want to go. I, I did break down your chapters because I um, your parts because I think they're really interesting. So I want to talk about in part four and part five, because this sort of takes us through the end of the book and it it doesn't, we don't finish with a bang. We're not like complete at the end, but you talk about, you know, the fears fueling your self-doubt and also something else, which I really relate to, which is I'm too busy, right? So like, you know, like I said, when I sit down to meditate, you know, my, my head starts pinging. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. You should be doing this. You should be that. Meanwhile, I could stand there and doom scroll for, you know, hours without my brain reminding me what I should be doing. So how, what are things you can put in place to sort of take that too busy out of, of your, your excuses? Yes. Well, first you have to understand why you are too busy. And so years ago, I created this power of no chart. You could search my name. It's a free resource, but I had to list all the commitments I had. And when I started, I started with an eight by 11 page piece of paper. Within three days, I had five pieces of paper of things that I committed myself to. And I had to decide like, first of all, does it align to where I am or where I want to go? And does it give me the right energy? And there's a couple other columns in there, but the idea is why am I saying yes to so many things? And most people say yes because they want to be validated. They want to be liked. They want to be important. They want to matter. And oftentimes many of the things you're saying yes to is not for the right reason. And so diving into your yeses was one of the biggest lessons I've had to do in the last two decades. And it makes me mindful of what I say yes to in the future. And am I the right person? Because what I have found is that for me to do the work that I'm doing now with 
the speaking and the retreats and all the work that I'm doing is I need more quiet time by myself because I can't show up for other people if I can't show up for myself. No, I mean, giving that to yourself is a real gift. Um, and it sounds like you've been able to really carve that out and make that happen. Um, let's just talk about like some of the tools that you advise people to use to sort of align themselves. Because I think a lot of people don't really know what that means or how to incorporate that into the work that needs to be done to sort of to keep moving forward, to keep working on themselves. Yes. Yeah, so I was never a yogi ever until just recently, really, because I was just, it just didn't align with where my energy was. But when I started to do this deep research, yes, I could have gone to therapy, but I felt like I needed something else. I needed to like, I needed to just think about ways that people use different practices. And so I took a solo trip to Sedona and that sort of kicked off some knowing. And then I started just going to different energy practitioners based on recommendations, based on people I found on Google. And I think I visited about 50 different energy practitioners, everything from iridology to tapping to face reading to birth charts, human design, enneagrams, numerology, because not because I felt like I was finding the answers, but I wanted to understand how it all fit together. So many of us do Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders or 360, all super masculine tools. And I was trying to figure out who I was and why I was on the planet because I felt like I felt so unsettled with where I was. And I'm not suggesting anyone needs to do this, but I did it because I wanted to see how I could round out and better understand myself from the inside out. And so as part of the book, I've created a landing page for people to go to to understand more about these energy practices because they don't need to be behind closed doors. They're tools, they're ancient, and often have a lot of wisdom that you can tap into to better understand more about who you are, which is sort of why we're here. Right. And so you got really into birth charts because that's one of the things now you do, right? And you use birth charts to help women, not just personally, but professionally. So I'm really interested in, in how you do that. Yes. And again, if you would have told me this a decade ago, I'd have been like, oh, come on now. <laughs> but after doing all the things, one of the tools, the birth chart actually really helped me understand, you know, that I really like to talk about difficult topics. And I like to dive deep into things that people don't really want to talk about over, you know, one glass of wine. It usually takes four glasses of wine. <laughs> but that's where my son is. My son is in the eighth house. I like to talk about things that are deep and have a lot of meaning and sometimes they're a little... Harry, but you know, it really is where I feel most comfortable. My son is in Sagittarius, the ninth house, and I like to travel and have new experiences and really learn things for the first time. And so getting to know myself of who I am and, and what I like to do has helped me just be kinder to myself and give myself more grace because I was always beating myself up saying, well, you shouldn't go on that trip or why do you always have to get in these deep discussions? And the birth chart that's defined by your birth time, your birth location, and your birth date gives you an idea of how the planets are aligned when you're born and honestly gives you great insight. I've done them for so many women to just help them with what their life's work is. It doesn't tell you exactly, but it does tell you where you want to spend your time. Well, I'm sure it's also really validating, right? It's, mm. It must be really, I've never had my birth chart done, but it must be really cool. You know, like I'm, a, I'm, I'm born in May, I'm a Taurus. So, you know, like when people talk about some of the things about Taurus, I'm like, check, 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 
yes, everything about that is spot on. Do you know what I mean? It, it, I, I hear it, it relates to me. Um, so I'm very, I'm curious how people can then use that information when they're working with people. Do you know what I mean? And knowing how to sort of really educate yourself on it and then use it. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it's more than just your sun sign. So your sun sign is what you look up in the newspaper or online. Mm-hmm. It's your moon sign. Your sun sign is your masculine energy, how you show up in the world. Your sun, your moon sign is what fills you up, which I'm a Sagittarius, so I like new things, education, research, travel. And then your rising sign is how the world sees you. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Cancer, so it, you know I'm always trying to make people feel like they are seen and heard. And when I got to see how these three points came together, it gave me a lot of one validation, but some freedom too. I bet it's, I'm fascinated by all of it. I just think it's, um, like I said, I think people are, or I'm, I won't talk about people because everybody's different. I'm, I'm leaning more into it because I'm finding the value in it. Right. So I'm finding the, just like you found your value and now you're sharing it with people, which I'm delighted to to be a recipient of because it's helping me because I do think like you said 10 years ago I this would I, I don't know if this would have appealed to me 10 years ago I don't know if I was in a place 10 years ago to hear these things so I don't know if it has to do with my age or just where I am in life or what it is but the words I'm hearing and I I, I like and I like what what it's giving me does that make sense it does. And I don't think, yes, I does. And I'm a big believer that you should go to what is calling you. So if it's a book, a podcast, an energy practice, you know, or your girlfriend did something that intrigues you, check it out, check it out because, you know, this is way out there, but we're moving, we're changing suns. We're moving from the fifth sun to the sixth sun. We're in the process of it right now. It happens over thousands of years. And the sixth sun is much more feminine energy and taking care of the planet and nurturing. And you're starting to see women come out in, oh, just over the last decade, look at how women have come out. Like the feminine energy is on the rise. It's not to take over the masculine, but it's to balance the masculine. And so you're starting to see all this stuff happen to, to activate women, to care, to step up, to use their voice. And so whatever that's going to take for you to step into your truest self, whether it's, you know, tapping, going to movies, listening to podcasts, doing energy practices, now is the time. I love that. Okay. So you are in uh, Vermilion, Ohio. What are you doing out in Ohio? Oh, I mean, you know, you're in Atlanta, but you live in Ohio. And you, right before we started the show, you told me about this retreat. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about it. Yeah. So I will just tell you that I grew up in New York and I honestly, as a child, didn't even know where Ohio was. I lived in Atlanta and out in, I've been in California for Silicon Valley for a lot of my tech work. And I show up in Ohio and I'm like, why the heck am I here? Right. Well, fast forward 23 years, I would have never written my books. I got three books written there. And over the last two years, I have been granted a, an amazing, amazing space on Lake Erie where we're doing wellness uh, retreats and we're bringing in practitioners and we're doing some really cool energy work there. But we're also doing some menopause work and cancer work and And it's really to nurture the souls of women. And it's on a fresh body of water with bald eagles. And now, you know, two and a half decades later, I understand why I was pulled to Ohio. That is amazing. So now let's talk about where can people 
find out more about you, do work with you, get your book, find out about your retreats, because you do do so many things. Where Let's talk about where everybody can find everything. So obviously you can find me at my name, JJD Geronimo, but one of my passion projects right now is educating people about the different energy practices and different things people can do. So whether you want to do architecture or um, archetypes, or you want to do astrophotography, which is identifying where to travel based on your birth chart or iridology, your face reading, you can come to Together We Seek, togetherweseek.online. And the reason I named it Together We Seek is I'm still seeking right next to you. Like, I don't have this figured out. I'm not even sure what's happening next week. But all I know is like what I've learned, I'm happy to share. And what you've learned, I want to know about. I love that. That's great. Okay. You're on Instagram. Yes. Yes. JJ okay. Geronimo. Okay. Excellent. JJ, thank you so much for this conversation today. I feel like it was, I, I'm, I'm on this journey with you. I'm way behind you. I'm, I'm miles behind you, but I, I, I'm fascinated by it. And I, I already see the positivity of it. I see the changes in my life, in my relationships, and that's just taking a couple of the baby steps. So I'm, I'm um, incredibly excited for, you know, while working in the present on what the future, what it, what the present brings to the future, right? Uh, that's and your your energy and frequency is magnetic, and I can see why you're pulled in all these directions because people want to be around your energy. So I'm super excited about that, and we're going to do your birth chart over a great bottle of wine. So I can't wait I for that. that. I love that. Okay, JJ Geronimo, thank you so much for joining me today, and thank you everybody for joining me here at the gorgeous wine layer on Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Now this was a little bit of a departure of what we normally discuss because normally we're talking wine and food and hospitality and travel. But honestly, as I said in the beginning of the show, if you don't take care of your inner self, you can't take care of anybody around you. You can't take care of your family. You can't take care of your friendships and you can't take care of your business. So I hope this provided you some steps today on digging in and taking care of yourself, both mentally and physically. Um, remember, follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, because I am eating and drinking and traveling and having so much fun. And I put it all, I document it all. I bore you to death, but it's all in there. Uh, and of course, go to the list or you want it.com. If you're doing dry January, it's in there. If you're drinking, it's in there too. Great new restaurants are opening all around the city, and it is restaurant week right now, but other restaurant weeks are going to be happening in cities around the D.C. metro area. All of that will be in there, including every Food and Wine event. Uh, don't forget to tune into Foodie and the Beast every Sunday on 1500, or you can go to the list or you want it, com. And lastly, just a moment, please remember... Take your kindness pills before you go anywhere. Uh, staff shortages are real. And I know it's very hard for people to remember that because when it's happening to you, it is frustrating. And I'm with you and you feel, you feel like it's happening to you. I'm with you on it. But it's happening to everybody. And no restaurant, no hotel, no airline, really. Nobody wants you to have a bad experience. So just take a deep breath. Take your kindness pill and uh, just keep it down at a low simmer when you're out there, please. Uh, thanks again for joining me today. Everybody, please have a delicious week.
produced by Heartcast Media.